Willoughby. This stop is Willoughby. Willoughby. This stop is Willoughby. We're gonna go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter Death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome back to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And I'm Kevin. And we hope that you guys woke up from that nightmare as a child because I, I barely I barely survived it. And I know. I, I just had a panic moment. I was like, what was the last episode? <laughs> yeah. And then you heard <laughs> Twinkle Twinkle Little mind. Star. And then you're yeah. like, shit, that's what we just watched. Yeah. So um, a, a, much, a much better episode I'm looking forward to talking to uh, about this time. I do want to mention <clears throat> real quickly before we start. Two things that um, I feel are kind of tangential to the Twilight Zone, but kind of not. Uh, first one is that I didn't realize that today, April 6th, is the 100-year anniversary that the U.S. entered World War One, And that just blows my mind because I don't think of that as like 100 years ago. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I, I'm perpetually stuck at the year 2000. I feel like once it hit 2000, it's just been 2000 since. So it's like... Yeah. 1980s were 20 years ago <laughs> like and then you think about it, you're like oh that was almost 40 years ago right like um like, like what oh, was it this this year is the the 40th anniversary of star wars and that's like it's something i can't comprehend yeah it's like know? that's 30 years old right yeah and but just the, the, <laughs> like, yeah the fact that we um <laughs> you're right because it was 2000 um the the fact that like world war one which is like like the modern like i mean that's like i that's when i think of like the cutoff point of like that's the because the horrors of war and technology and everything there was a yeah, lot was- there, you know, and it's just, and I, I'm sure we, yeah, we covered, well, the last flight dubbed with the World War One pilot. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was uh, interesting. And then the other thing to do today that isn't as interesting, but also sad is that uh, Don Rickles passed away. Yeah, I and, saw that. And as I was, as I was driving home, I'm like, I wonder if he was in the Twilight Zone. And the answer is yes, he was. Uh, there's an episode next season that we'll get to called Mr. Dingle the Strong, where uh, he plays a better. So I don't know if he's actually has a significant role because he doesn't actually have a name, but he was in an episode of The Twilight Zone. So nice. well, yeah, rest in peace, Don Rickles. Yeah. So I just, I just figured that kind of guy with his kind of this uh, his delivery and everything and the look on his face, like I figured he would be in The Twilight Zone, and you know, sure enough, he was. So anyway, that's it's a bummer he's gone, but I just wanted to just mention that. So anyway. Um, World War One. Don Rickles dying. Great positive start to the show. Uh, this episode is a season one, episode thirty, a stop at Willoughby. Uh, air date May sixth, nineteen sixty. Number one song is still stuck on you by Elvis Presley. Number one film is Please Don't Eat the Daisies. Uh, on this day, uh, the Civil Rights Act of nineteen sixty was passed. This dealt with voter rights discrimination. This isn't the one that we normally think of when we think of the Civil Rights Act. That's the one in 64, but this was like a big step forward. So a lot of stuff going on today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
I didn't have anything. I didn't even <laughs> look the date up. <laughs> so glad you found something. Yeah. Uh, should we jump into the cast and crew here? Yeah. All right. This episode is directed by uh, Robert Parrish, which we talked about in the episode one for the angels. And I think we will see him one more time this season or maybe next season. Yeah. I think one uh, more time this season. Yeah. I think the mighty Casey is season one. Uh, yeah. So we, we talked about him, uh, quite a ways back. We've come a long way. Yeah. Good to see a returning director. Uh, this episode was written by Rod Serling yet again. And this was, uh, definitely a refined uh, teleplay for him. Like, I, I feel like this was, he took a few ideas that he had had that may have not been finished and then really kind of honed it in for this episode. So, uh, yeah, always, always exciting. Well, it, getting it, a good it, Serling screenplay. It, and it, it's, yeah. it's the ending of this, not to jump ahead, uh, is something that I think of as far as Serling with his kind of morbid <laughs> twists. That's true. Uh, you, it's funny you say that, like, this was like, you know, he took some pieces or, or different attempts at this idea, and this is the, you know, where he came up at with this. This feels like a polar opposite to what we just watched, where. Like that was a bunch of, it felt like ideas sewn together. And this one feels like he's been refining this uh, idea. And I, I'll, I'll mention it as we get to the episode, how I feel like this is just uh, like just another take on an episode we've already seen earlier this season. Uh, and, and both of them great, just different directions they went, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And uh, like I said, I've always been a fan of his, his real cynical and dark look at things. So yeah. this one, uh, again, not to jump ahead and, <laughs> kind of tell <laughs> just how I feel about it, but I, I, I like the darker things, and this episode is definitely darker than the other episode that we will reference. Yeah, and there's some dark humor that runs through this too. You know, at least from the corporate side of things that I that I didn't think about the first time watching it that do kind of leak through. So there's some there's some black humor here too. That's that's um and en- en- entertaining to me. Yeah. All right, we'll get to that. So the cast, we have James Daly playing as your main character, Gart Williams, who this was his only Twilight Zone appearance. And the only other thing I found was Planet of the Apes, which, again, worked with Serling. Yeah, he was in an episode of Star Trek because I just want to mention that to you because, you know, I know how much you love Star Trek. Um, also, he was the he's the father of Tyne Daly and Tim Daly. Uh, huh. Tyne Daly was Lacey and Cagney and Lacey. And Tim Daly, you would remember as the one brother in Wings not uh, Steven Weber and yeah. and Tim Daly also voices Superman in a lot of the animated stuff and video games. So oh. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next up we have Howard Smith as Mr. Misrell. I, whenever they said his name in the episode, it sounded like they're saying Mr. Mister because <laughs> <laughs> they're saying it so fast. Uh, I was like, what is his name? Uh, yeah. So he plays Mr. Misrell and he was in one other twilight zone episode and, uh, I, I in some circles a classic. He was in this horror film called I Bury the Living. Oh well, I found that he was actually one one of the people in the original radio production of 1938's War of the Worlds. I thought that was interesting. Mm, and nice. his his last um, <clears throat> acting credit this just because it cracked me up uh, is the Hardy Boys, the mystery of the Chinese junk. Which I know they're talking about a boat, <laughs> but it still feels like like that feels like a weird title now. <laughs> <coughs> God damn! Oh, that's really fun. Um, <laughs> What's going on with all this junk? It's myself. not from around here. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up, we have uh, Patricia Donahue as uh, Gart Williams' wife, Janie Williams. 
only Twilight Zone episode. Uh, not much to her. The rest of the people on here, not too much as far as their acting career. Well, did you have anything for her? Yeah, she ended up in Night Gallery, uh, which is just interesting because it's a Sterling project later. And then, um, uh, then the other person I wanted to mention uh, was Jason Wingreen, who was the train conductor. He was the guy in the modern day. Um, mm-hmm. and not only that, he he's interesting. Like of all the people here, I went down a, a big rabbit hole with him. He was in an episode of Freddy's Nightmares, which I figured you'd appreciate. Yeah, I um, saw that. <laughs> and he was in the TV movie of Captain America from 1970, uh, which that is a terrible Captain America movie, but kind of awesome at the same time. It's the one with the motorcycle and the clear shield and the, the oh, motorcycle yeah, helmet. Yeah, screenshots of that one. <laughs> he was also in Night Gallery and Star Trek. However, here's the two things that I think you'll find really interesting is that he is the uncredited voice of Boba Fett and uh, Empire Strikes Back. Like the original before they dubbed it back in with uh, the New Zealand actor to tie him with the original trilogy. He was yeah. the voice of Boba Fett. Um, and so he said the moment, like the moment he found out that people found out that he was Boba Fett, like the, the, the mail never stopped for him. Like he just kept getting letters from people. Um, <laughs> he said, uh, I signed a lot of photos of Boba Fett. I was living a quiet, peaceful, unencumbered life until that news broke. And when that news came out in a star Wars magazine for which I'd done an interview, the letters just never stopped is what he said about being like this, the, like the, the small segment is being Boba Fett. Everybody just obsessed about it. And he was in an episode of Seinfeld. So this guy, he had a very small role here, but he ended up like trickling into a lot of pop culture that I enjoy. So I thought that was really interesting. Nice. And I think he was in a few other Twilight Zone episodes too. Uh, yeah. First of, this is his first of three. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's all I got. There's a few other people in there, but, uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. Yeah. That, yeah, that's about it. Like, uh, cause it's just like, Oh, everybody was in that gallery eventually. So I guess Rod Sterling just remembers people. So that was nice. So. I know. I, I always, I always wonder if I need to mention that. Cause like everyone was either in Alfred Hitchcock presents or night gallery. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. This. Um, and then the only other thing too, is that well, of the two boys that were walking around, uh, that you see in Willoughby, the shorter one of the two, uh, he ended up playing Dennis, the menace's best friend in the, the, the sitcom Dennis, the menace. So I thought, yeah, whatever. Not that that's important, but I remember watching it on Nickelodeon as a kid. So, um, yeah, there that that's your cast. Uh, a lot of people that were on Night Gallery <laughs> and Boba Fett. So there you go. All right, let's, yeah. <laughs> what, is, what, like, a, what an awesome train conductor! Just have Boba Fett come down the aisle. <laughs> yeah, like the last stop is the Sarlacc pit, though. So you just never want to go there. You know, just boop, right in. Um, all Next right. stop, Sarlacc pit. <laughs> you just say it eight times in a row. Sarlacc pit. Next stop. Yeah. All right. So let's just get let's just get to Serling. Willoughby. Nope, that's not it. That's Willoughby. (laughs) Sarlacc Pit. Sarlacc Pit. This is Gart Williams, age 38. A man protected by a suit of armor all held together by one bolt. Just a moment ago, someone removed the bolt and Mr. Williams' protection fell away from him and left him a naked target. He's been cannonaded this afternoon by all the enemies of his life. His insecurity has shelled him. His sensitivity has straddled him with humiliation. His deep-rooted disquiet about his own worth has zeroed in on him, landed on target, and blown him apart. Mr. Gard Williams, ad agency exec, who in just a moment will move into the twilight zone in a desperate search for survival. Again, another really, really well-written intro. I know we say that all the time, yeah, but he really, like, I, I like the whole suit of armor with one bolt. That is, like, yeah. the perfect characterization of this character who's just barely holding it together 
and he tries yeah, to be, you know, something he's not. The, the whole that whole intro basically sums up the first 15 minutes of this episode. <laughs> yeah. Like you you almost don't even need the rest of that episode. He just tells the story. You just need the conclusion after <laughs> that. It's a uh, god so talented. All right, so we'll jump into the plot here. We got uh, Mr. Gart Williams, who is a uh, works at advertising agency, and he's running into some problems at work and is not too happy with his job. I wasn't quite sure what was going on at the beginning. I think his protege or somebody he hired uh, ended up quitting on them, and his boss was blaming him for the problems that they were having. Yeah, because the way that the, the episode starts is with everybody just waiting, right? And they're all yeah, around yeah. the table, and, and um, you see Mister 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 at the end of the table, just like just <laughs> he is like the like the cartoon boss, like you know, like the oh yeah, the cigar top, in his like, mouth, push, leaning push, back push, in the chair, push push push, you know. Um, and so then there's Gart with tapping a pencil against like the the his knuckles, and I could completely relate to that. Like just like, all right, is are we waiting for something or what's going on? And yeah, his protege was supposed to be in there, and just basically the guy he believed in with this big three million dollar account just left the company and took it with him. And I was like, that's that's a just a dick move, you know, and left uh, Gart kind of hanging there, you know. Yeah. Um, but this felt like everything I've seen and was it the six or seven seasons of Mad Men was just like right there, like that's pretty much what that felt like, and that was just uh, <laughs> very tense, you know. Um, but yeah, and then also you see Gart like every like every so often he'll go and hold his stomach because there's discomfort there because of just the stress of everything that's going on. And I thought that was a nice just kind of touch to show you how out of sorts he is with all of this. Yeah, and that happens multiple times in the episode. Um, yeah, so he's he's being yelled at, and finally Gart blows up at him, and uh, I, I forget exactly what he calls him. I think he calls him like um like a not a fat like a, yeah fat man or something like that, and uh, fat boy. Fat That's boy, what he yeah. calls him. <laughs> and then he marches out of that that um that office, which like by the way, did you notice that there the doors to the the boardroom were the doorknobs were in the middle of the door. Like, I don't understand how that works. Did you, like, it was a circular doorknob in the middle of a door. It was a, it was just one of those things where I'm like, is that functional? I don't understand how that worked. I, mean, I didn't even notice that. That's, that's a stupid, um, that, that and the number of lamps in the in the, the previous two episodes ago. Like, I don't know why I get obsessed with fixtures. I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense. Maybe that's the <laughs> twist. I don't know. It's a, it's a world with weird doorknobs. But uh, anyway, I digress. Yeah, so he, he walks back over to his office past his secretary, and she asks him if he needs anything. And, uh... We have a really foreboding line, and uh, she asks him if he needs anything, and he says, yeah, a razor and a chart of the human anatomy showing where the, all the major arteries are. I and love I that like, line. I love it. I love his delivery. Just like, you know, we've all been there, you know? <laughs> yeah, but you know, you take it as a joke, and it's like, yeah, you know, I walked past my, bo my boss the other day, and he put a finger guns up to his head you know like you know yeah having a bad day and you're just like ah you know you walk by and laugh but with the ending of this episode you go back and look at that line you're like oh yeah shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah i mean and um i i liked it and that was the one you, you'll you'll end up hearing it here at the end too just the way he delivers it so like matter of factly but also kind of like a joke i just liked that line so he did. He did a good job, and I also love it when he goes to the office and he has that. He's sitting in his his office is dark, and there's like a silhouette of his of his face as uh, Sterling's narration's going on, and there's a slow zoom in on his face, and it's in profile, 
it's just it's beautiful like uh just the editing in this episode is top notch and i know we talked about the director before um and i we maybe had mentioned this and it's been a while so forgive me if i'm repeating myself this guy won an oscar for editing um before he started yeah. actually directing and there's so many just badass transitions in this episode that's that's the stuff that i'm just like i flip out about when i see it and there's this it just and it goes and it happens so smoothly that you don't think about it yeah, I was going to say this episode's story relies on having good transitions. So yeah. um, having somebody who's well-versed in editing definitely paid off. Um, oh, there's something else I was going to say about that. It's It's gone now. So <laughs> yeah, next time we see Gart, he is on a train, uh, probably heading home. And he ends up falling asleep on the train. And I love the look on the train as well with the snow outside mm-hmm. of the windows. Yeah, It's just it's such, it's such an awesome awesome look to that i even made a note that i was like i'll always appreciate fake snow on tv shows i love oh yeah yeah it's just such like even i don't know it's just it, it very it it sets the stage like i just i i love it it was such a nice little touch to that yeah well especially since he falls asleep and wakes up and uh the conductor's walking through saying uh next stop willoughby and he looks around and the train's empty he looks outside it's summertime and uh, the conductor tells him that it's 1888. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, and, you, and you look outside and you see like the gazebo and the people walking around and they definitely had to have a guy on a velocipede riding around just yeah. to let you know that this is definitely the past. And Well, I, I love on uh, um, James Daly's IMDb page, his like main photo for it is him standing next to the guy in, on the, whatever that bike's called. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I just um, did you notice like if you when you do research that the stills that you see for these episodes are things you don't see in the episode? Yeah, that, that, yeah, it's like production stills or something that it, they probably used as uh, advertising or uh, promotion. No, yeah, I mean, and I love it. It's just like I'm like, wait, like because I've seen that a couple of times, and you're you know you're right. Like he was by the the large uh, velocipedes, that bicycle that has a really big wheel in the front, and then the really tiny wheel in the back that everybody just assumes yeah. everybody just associates that with old timey things now. So you know, yeah. and very difficult I, to drive, I'm sure. I never knew what that bike was called. <laughs> Learning something new every day. I'm watching. Someone's gonna correct me and be like, Paul, that's not even a real word. I'm like, oh, I don't know. I just made up. <laughs> yeah. It's actually called a Willoughby, Paul. <laughs> it's called uh, a <laughs> Oh, well, then, yeah. Please yeah, correct so, me later. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he looks outside and he finds out that he's somehow back in 1888. And we get a second wake up. <laughs> and he wakes up and he's back on the train he was on before. And uh, he's on his usual route. Yeah. And he asked, the, he asked Boba Fett... Um, like uh, he mentions the the name Willoughby, and then the the conductor he you know he eventually comes back and says I've I've never heard of this you know and he's like okay this must have been a dream and then he goes home to um like a very um unwelcome situation we'll just put it that way because uh, his his wife Janie is uh, I I got why when we watched a world of, a world of difference why the guy's ex wife was kind of like how she was really abrasive and aggressive. Janie, yes. Janie was just an just ice cold, and she had what she wanted, and she was not happy with what the phone call that she got before he got home, and yeah. it was very uncomfortable. Well, I, I think they did a great job putting in making every other character except for Gart Williams as being as unlikable as possible. <laughs> you, you know, you're right, absolutely, because I mean, he can't even get solace at home, right? So he's there. Yeah. 
sitting at the bar, pouring himself a drink. Um, and she's like, you know, talking about, about his day. And he's just basically saying, I can't take this anymore. And, you know, and she's like, did you, did you do something that threw away your career today? And it's this whole thing of basically you get the idea that the house they're in, which is a really nice setup and his job is all, he's all been trying to do this just not just for her, but it's like the expectation is that you do do these things. You go off, you have a job, you live in a nice neighborhood, you join these, these, uh, um, country clubs or whatever, just because that's what you do. And he just doesn't like any of it. And, but this is the stuff that she clearly, you know, wants, you know, what do you say that his, his wife has a certain appetite? Yeah. And I, I love all that stuff because that's something that's so highly relatable. Like I, I don't think there's a person on this earth that doesn't have a day where they just wake up and they're just like, oh, what, you know, yeah. like, hell, I was in Chipotle earlier uh, during lunch <laughs> and, you know, I'm surrounded by a bunch of like middle-aged white guys in polos. I'm like, you know, I got quite a few tattoos and stuff and, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily fit in other than the polo and I just look around. I'm like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things. And coming home and watching this episode after that, it's like, yeah, no, I, I completely understand. It's not it's not what we're meant to do. Yeah. And, and so he goes on to try to tell her, like, because she's like, well, what what do you want? And he starts describing the dream that he had about this place called Willoughby. And again, just to, like, uh, he's sitting like, kind of like on like a little stoop or whatever in the, in the house. And as he's telling the story about his dream, uh, the camera slowly pushing out on him. And he has this like, you know, very fond remembrance of this dream. And she kind of just dismisses it. She's like, well, when you wake up, let me know. And she just kind of walks away. And then as she's walking away, the camera starts pulling back out. And then like in this really big house, Gart is very, very small in the middle of the screen and it's like it's it's very dark yeah and it's just one of those things that just shows like of all his his success quote unquote like he's just he is shrinking you know and like it was really i loved it like that not 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 him i felt bad for him but i loved that sequence yeah um so next time we see him he is back on the train again and falls asleep train guy uh or no no not i skipped over something the conductor comes by and tells him they looked up willoughby and there is no such place yeah which are all lies because you used to live there uh but (laughs) (laughs) he falls asleep again on the train and wakes up and they're uh pulling into willoughby again so he goes to get off the train and as soon as he's about to step off the train the train starts moving away so he starts calling to the conductor and ends up waking up again back in real life yeah on the train he was on and he tells he he tells himself next time i'm getting off that train like that's like you know the progression of like i've seen it i've seen it outside it sounds nice it looks nice there's a velocipede i want to go there um (laughs) so then he goes back to work and because i mean it's just it he wasn't fired for speaking up to the boss but basically it's one of those things where he has too much responsibility that he, he can't just be gotten rid of you know so there's a nice sequence where he's sitting at his desk and he's, he's taking one phone call. And then as that's happening, another phone call happens to on a separate phone. And then as he's ha- taking these phone calls and you hear like, you know, like everything kind of melting down, like his secretary comes in and says that, you know, his, uh, his boss wants to speak to him, which his boss just sp- spoke to him on like the little intercom. Like it was just like the whole world was just coming at once, you know? Yeah. And I love yeah. he's holding the two phones while she's <laughs> yelling at him. <laughs> I was expecting him to take the phones and take one and turn it upside down so they could talk to each other and just be like, you guys figure it out. I was waiting for that joke to happen and it didn't, you know? 
Um, but yeah, he just kind of just puts the phones down, runs to his uh, personal bathroom, which that's kind of a nice perk when you're working in an office. And um, as he's like, you know, trying to, you know, collect himself, uh, you, you just like his boss is bearing down on him and he sees him in the mirror yelling at yeah. him. Like multiple uh, <laughs> heads of his boss like yeah, pop just, up in the mirror. And they're all I just like, those push, push, funny. push, 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 yeah. push. You know, and then he, which is again, another great moment because this one felt better to me than like the purple Testament of like how you use a mirror to get a point across. Um, yeah, but, yeah. um, because like, they even timed it to where he was looking in the corners of the mirror of where they had put his boss's face, you know? And it was like, <laughs> it was, it was really good timing. Cause you know, obviously I had to plan that out in advance and it just worked really well. You know, and then he even um, um, oh, yeah. there was something else uh, yeah. when he was answering the calls from one of his accounts. Uh, did you catch the name of the account that he was helping? No. What was it? It was the Bradbury account. Oh, that. Oh, see, I should have caught that. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, it was real quick. And I was like, oh, shit. That's Throwing funny. A bone to his friend. <laughs> um, so he, he breaks the mirror. Um, rightfully so. And then I think, is, did he call his wife before that or did he call his wife after that? Maybe he tried calling his wife uh, after that. Yeah, he hangs, he smashes the mirror and he comes out holding his stomach again. And he calls his wife for help and just saying, can you please be there for me when I come home? I can't take this anymore. And she ends up hanging up on him. <laughs> yeah. So then that's that. Like he just leaves work, goes and gets on the train and forces himself to sleep. Uh, and he, in you know, in the train's back to Willoughby. It's 1888. And the train is stopped. And the the thing I love about that part is as he gets ready to get off the train, he looks at his briefcase and just sets it down and is, gets off the train. That was yeah. a nice moment of like, you know what? I'm done with this life. I'm, I'm going to go to Willoughby. And he has a good time in Willoughby. You know, like you see, he's talking to some kids. They're fishing. He hears the band. Everybody, like people say hi to him. Like everyone's just real happy in Willoughby. And then, and then here comes the, you know, the actual reality of what's happening. Yeah, so you see the conductor standing there, and he looks at his watch and looks up at a clock, and uh, it hits a certain time, and we cut back to reality, and you have two uh, railroad workers looking at his body on the ground, and it turns out that he had jumped off the train. Uh, it looked like off of a bridge as they were passing over some sort of overpass. Yeah, and they said that he, like... W- like was he was on the train he woke up and said something about needing to go to willoughby and then got off the train yeah and then your black comedy uh probably referring to the uh the i, I guess it's an ambulance i don't know it's, it's a, more it's of a, a hearse. home or something yeah yeah but the uh the car driving away says willoughby and son funeral home yeah and that's so. yeah um i that's that's dark i was thinking more of just like the boss being just like Someone, oh, okay. someone like so, yeah. you'd see Fred Flintstone just having to answer to, you know, like this because he felt like Ed Ed Asner just taken up a notch, you know, and that, like and then the whole like just that was just funny to me because he played that very very big, you know, and uh, but yeah, the Willoughby and Son thing, it was just like, yep, you really wanted to go, you got off that train literally, and you ended up in Willoughby. Yep. I, I thought it was kind of no, it is it, funny. No, kind of funny, but uh, yeah, really dark. And like I said, this is this is what I love from Serling. Yeah, and did you Just notice um, the pendulum of the clock in Willoughby when it was swinging back and forth matched the swinging of the lantern from the railroad worker when they transitioned back to reality? Like the oh same, yeah, the same yeah. speed, and it was just like again. 
I, you know, your mileage may vary, but that stuff is awesome for me. And it's just like, and, and that will take my, my grade of an episode, you know, up. <laughs> like, I just love that kind of thought that goes into that. Um, but yeah, for that's sure. your, that's your episode. Uh, poor, poor Gart couldn't catch a break. Just really, really wanted to go someplace that was a little bit more his speed. And he, well, I mean, I, you know, he ended up there. You can't say he didn't go, you know, cause you don't really know for sure. Like ultimately, like he, he left this world. doesn't mean that he didn't necessarily go to Willoughby. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've seen people complain about this episode just because it's things that have been covered already on Twilight Zone this season. And it it's something he will content, continue to revisit. And I, I don't know, though, like I comparing it to Walking Distance, which is the episode that you can immediately compare yeah, it to. Yeah, that's it. what I was going to do. Uh, um, I mean, it, the, I can't even put them in the same thing, though, because walking distance has such a nostalgic just a light-hearted look at uh going somewhere else you know going to a happier place this is so dark that i i can't even compare them at that level like i i can't say which one is better well because they are so different with how they make you feel at the end of the episode that's true and both of them work in advertising by the way i don't know if you remember that was the main character's job in walking distance yeah. too um which i guess maybe sterling's just talking about advertising being the devil i don't know but uh so with walking well, distance, it's, it's yeah. something easily compared to uh uh, to working in Hollywood or working in the television industry, yeah, you know, that's fair. I, how many meetings do you think he probably had to sit through? <laughs> that's, that's true. Um, but with, and with walking distance though, you're right. He was more going back to his hometown and it was like, Oh, this is how I remember it. And he was the, the power of nostalgia, the, how things used to be. And with Gart, it just seemed like it was always like something he never had and a place he wanted to go, you know, like, so I feel like there's a difference there to be, you know, uh, to, to, to use a lyric from a song to be homesick for a home you never had, you know, that's kind of mm-hmm. like Gart, like that was his dream. Right. And whenever I can't, I forget the main character's name and walking distance, like he did get to go home again. It's just not what the results that he wanted, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, it did, they are very similar stories in the way of like, you know, you just want to get away from the, the, the speed of life and, and you go to the place where you think you want to go. But with walking distance, I think, even though this episode's darker, I think the implications of walking distance are more haunting because he has to live with the knowledge of what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. It, I think it just depends on your taste, which one you would think is a better episode. But I'm a fan of both of them. Yeah, I really absolutely. enjoyed this episode. Yeah, it was it was good to get uh, to get a good one <laughs> after my frustrations with the the last one. This one feels more like iconic in in the wheelhouse of twilight zone with you know like even this is a character you can you can really relate to you can you know you want to cheer for and he doesn't get a win i mean even though he does get to go where he wants to go it's still kind of a, a flawed victory you know and I, it's, I just, a, it's a very flawed <laughs> victory yeah um yeah it's and it's just it's just interesting and i i liked it's a simple it's a simple trick of saying oh you take a train and you go to sleep you end up someplace else but it's done so even the, the the train itself is like a metaphor of transport right i mean like that there's a lot there and i also feel like too like when you mentioned with the intro that 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 kind of cuts you cuts to the first 15 minutes of the episode sometimes these episodes move by like such a like a fast clip that you're just like wow they're really taking the story way too fast this one was just one where it it felt cooked all the way through if that if yeah. that makes sense well 
Well, you make it just bringing up with the train kind of being a metaphor for, uh, you know, but it's it's I think it really speaks to how well this episode is written that there is a lot to unpack in this. But at the end of the episode, you don't feel overwhelmed with anything. It feels very simple. Yeah. But, you know, you look at everything down to the uh, down to you mentioned him throwing the briefcase down. It's just something real simple like that. Yeah, it's just such an amazing moment, and it's just so well thought out, but not to the point that like it's overly complicated or hard to digest, and especially for this time, like this is this is pretty perfect as a teleplay. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Like, I feel like like even though this episode's wonderful, and I and I think Walking Distance has held up more just because I mean, there's a lot in Walking Distance that I mean like just the cinematography and the music yeah, and yeah. everything that that puts it like in people's top tens, right? This would feel like this feel would feel like a good B side to that if that was a, if it was a forty five. Like this is this is wonderful. It's good on its own, um, but it's just a little different and it, ha- it has more of. Um, it has more of a Twilight Zone feel because there is a hearse at the end, you know, with the name of of the place that he wanted to go to. Yeah, you know? and like I said, that's that's the the Serling I love. Uh, yeah, but I guess I I gotta throw some credit. We were talking about Robert Parrish uh, also being an editor. He really knew uh, how to pace this episode, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's a huge thing with these twenty five minute Twilight Zone episodes is. It, you, I, we've had some where it just feels like an info dump or it just feels like there's nothing to them or you know it, there's just always something like the last one especially yeah. where it's just there's moments that you could completely cut out and it doesn't even matter and you just get frustrated watching it there's not one moment in this episode where you're bored you're <laughs> frustrated like I said it's it just it flies by yeah, I I completely agree. So this is probably one of my favorites of the season so far. Um but I yeah, I Definitely. really 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 enjoyed it. So um do you have anything else that uh, about the episode itself that you No. Mean? Okay. No. Like I said, it's uh there's a lot to unpack, but at the end of the day, it's fairly simplistic and it's really relatable and it's easy to watch. It's awesome. Yeah, it's 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 really really good. It's just like it's like sitting on a porch sipping at lemonade in 1888 and just watching yeah. a, a velocipede go by. <laughs> <laughs> so I um I, I I had to find out that there is only one Willoughby and it is the one here in Ohio. Like and that is uh I lived in I lived in Willoughby Hills. I didn't live in Willoughby itself. So oh, it's wise. It, yeah right. Um, but. I did not know that they actually have, um, they actually have, what was it? What's it called here? A stop at Willoughby celebration or called last stop Willoughby like yearly. So they have like a little, like a little parade, a little celebration. And Cause kind of tied to this, this episode. So they kind of, I did not know that I lived near there. I had no idea. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, <sighs> and the fact that like Serling did spend time in Cincinnati and in, you know, in Ohio, I just thought maybe he heard this name and was just like, that's a cool name. Like that just kind of sticks in your head and it has a very nice lyrical quality to it. Yeah. I was going to say it rolls off the tongue quite nicely. Yeah. But I guess there's a Willoughby Avenue that was near like the studios where they shot a lot of this stuff too. So people are, there's some speculation as to what, where the name came from. Um, but I also find it interesting too. I started looking further into this, um, that the, the, the most recent Richard Linklater, uh, movie, everybody wants some, the comedy that's like the eighties comedy. That's like they talked about. There's a character in there named Willoughby, uh, (laughs) that actually collects. He has almost every episode of the twilight zone on VHS. And I thought that was kind of, (laughs) kind of like a nice little wink. 
here, and uh, he skips uh, from college to college under f- the false name of Willoughby, so he can keep playing baseball and, and live the college lifestyle. So he uses the name Willoughby to go live the life he wants, but is also a big Twilight Zone fan. And I love that kind of just like, if you didn't know it, you wouldn't care, you know? Yeah. But, but if you did know, you're like, oh, that's kind of interesting. So Yeah, that's, re- that's really interesting. Yeah, that's so fun. I thought that was neat. Um, so uh, real quick to tie, like I always try to find something kind of related to, to the episode here. Uh, I'm going to mention real briefly here the the story of, I'm going to screw up this name, so forgive me, Saru Brearley. Um, this is a, a, an Indian um, gentleman who was born in 81. Uh, the story about him is that when he was, uh, what was it? He was only at age five. He ended up on a train with his brothers where they lived. Um, what was it? In the Kandawa to the city of Burrenpur. I completely screwed those up. I apologize. Uh, and along the way, somehow his brothers and himself got um, separated and he fell asleep and he ended up in um, near Calcutta, which was 930 miles away from his home. And because he was five years old and didn't like, he didn't know how to tell people where he lived. Like he ended up just becoming an orphan. Right. Oh, and, this is the uh, this movie yep. just came out. I was going to say last year. Yeah. Lion, Lion. That's the story yeah. of this kid that he ended up on a fell asleep on a train, ended up and he didn't know how to tell anybody that he's from this town because he didn't know the name of the town. And yeah, and he ends up getting adopted and living in Australia, and it becomes this amazing story of how he got reunited with his family because he, at five years old, how do you remember that information and try to piece it together? You know, so it does become that that movie yeah. Lion that was nominated for uh, best uh, foreign picture, I think, or was it nominated for best picture? I think it was just nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. So, I mean, that was the only thing I could think of because I, st- I tried typing into Google, like, times people fell asleep on trains and ended up places and then you couldn't, you know, there's, I couldn't find anything. But this was, I felt like, was very kind of appropriate because, again, he ended up in a different life. Maybe not the one he wanted at the time, but I thought that was an interesting story. So it worked out well. Like, he ended up finding his family, so that's good. Yeah. Um, people but, fall asleep on the public buses here all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I've yeah. seen it happen plenty of times. Yeah, I mean, my dad told me a story about how when he was a kid, he fell asleep in the, the, the local movie theater, and then they closed shop and didn't realize he was in there still. And <laughs> you know, and and he said that they, they always talked about when they were kids that it would be the coolest thing ever to be stuck in the movie theater because then you just go and take all the candy and everything. Like, very kid ideas, right? He said he was terrified like when he actually found out <laughs> what was going on. And he had to find a phone and call somebody and to let him out. Like, he just didn't know like how to handle it. But I thought that was funny that... You know, yeah, I would think if I was a kid, I'd be like, heck yeah, I'd like to be stuck in a movie theater. But then you realize yeah. it's dark and there's no movies going on now. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've only got locked in the cemetery, so that's it. <laughs> um, was it from Willoughby and Sons? Did they leave you there? Is that what happened? Yes. Are, are, yeah, are we dead now? Me. Yeah. <laughs> no, but being in a, being stuck in a movie theater, that is my Willoughby. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure like, you know, you'd be like, oh, I know how to get everything started up again. We'll just watch some movies. It'll be great. Um, but yeah, anyway, that's, uh, so if you're going to be a public transportation, just be careful. Cause I mean, you, you may end up like, in like, uh, 900 miles away or almost a hundred years away, you know, just be careful. That's, I guess, I, I don't know. And I don't know if too many times where people have time traveled via sleeping on trains, but there we, we see one time. So it could happen yeah. again. If I fall asleep, I'll probably just wake up in uh, Strongsville, Ohio. But uh, that's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's true. Uh, so um, yeah, the, I guess we should maybe mention that because I mean, it feels like this would be like something really great to tie into to what's going on this weekend. Um, 
there there is the the cinema wasteland uh convention going on so if you guys like twilight zone and you guys like you know creepy things and and genre cinema and and you like you like kevin he's going to be there this weekend yeah i'll Um, be there all weekend and paul's going to be there as well yeah i i saw on facebook that you're going to be there yeah that's i mean (laughs) i i heard i was going to be there so i better be there um so so yeah check that out that strongsville holiday inn um if you guys are in the local area uh, come check it out it's like it's a reunion of um night of the living dead so i feel like it's very appropriate if you listen to this show you might you know might want to come check it out so yeah go there and there's uh there's one t-shirt vendor that always has a few twilight zone t-shirts and every year i'm like i should get that and i never do maybe i'll buy it maybe I'll maybe post a picture on yeah. the facebook <laughs> maybe this will be the year so all right um all right so speaking of the facebook kevin how can people get a hold of us you can find us on the Facebooks, uh, <laughs> a Strange Highways podcast. Uh, you can email us at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Send us voicemails, uh, emails, whatever you want to do. Let us know what you think about the show. Let us know what you think about the episodes. Uh, anything Twilight Zone related, we'd love to hear from you guys. And you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. And if you would leave us a review and or uh five star rating we'd really appreciate it yeah and um i forgot we didn't even talk about the plot twist <laughs> oh man yeah <laughs> we totally sk- i'm sorry so we're gonna do that now <laughs> i was so caught up in talking about falling asleep places that i forgot about the twist um yeah, fell asleep on yeah. it <laughs> yeah i did um you know i i i'd seen this episode previously so it's like i already knew like the the Hirsch thing coming right so it's hard to not think about that i was originally going to land on a two but the more we talk about it i'm going to give this a three just because it does feel very stock twilight zone but i think it's better than better than average because of like you know his desire and that ended up kind of all working out so i'll give it a three yeah i uh, just piss you off i'm gonna give it a three and a half uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, i'm not upset anymore i just know these things happen no, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's it's really solid. Some of the stuff is kind of telegraphed, and again, we're watching it 50, 60 plus years after it was released, and we've seen a lot of things like this. We've seen a lot of Twilight Zone episodes, and it, it's something that you can kind of expect. And I, I just, I, I really feel like it's solid, though. Like you said, it it's is. it's kind of stock Twilight Zone, but it is so solid that. I don't want to condemn it at all. No, it's, it's great. And it's so well thought out. And even down to the razor blade and the, and the cutting the arteries and having the episode end like that, you yeah. know, just for that, I think it deserves the, uh, extra half star. Yeah. I, I think that's, I on think the twist, th- that's a good, uh, a good place to, to put that. So, um, <clears throat> next episode is the chaser. I have not seen this one. I think it involves of love potion. So this, I think I will, I'm already kind of on board with this because this gets more into the more goofy side of things. As long as it isn't gun fixer, he drinks by accident. I think we'll be okay. Um, but yeah, I've not seen this episode. Yeah. I, I think I have a few good movies that I can kind of recommend and tie into this episode. If it goes the way I'm thinking it's going to. <laughs> nice. And I can just tell the stories about me stalking people and we'll see how that works out. I yep. didn't. I didn't really stalk that many people. Uh, anyway, so anyway, that that's going to do it for us uh, this week. Uh, you know, see you next time. Um, and uh, yeah, I just um, I don't know. Push, push, push. Nah, I was going to say that. <laughs> push, push, push.
are on the desk. And there's some hot coffee here. Can I bring you some? No, thanks. Or want anything at all? Yeah. A sharp razor and a chart of the human anatomy showing where all the arteries are.